This is Sophia Edelstein for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Female Startup Club. I'm your host, Dune Rasheen, and joining me in today's episode is the founder of a company that's been dubbed the Warby Parker for Kids, Pear Eyewear. Sophia and her co-founder Nathan started Pear in 2017 after meeting at Stanford and decided to take on the challenge of designing beautiful eyewear that's customizable for kids while also giving back to children around the world who are in need of vision care. We're covering her experience as a young 20-something woman jumping headfirst into entrepreneurship, validating her concept only after interviewing over 400 families, getting onto Shark Tank and the impact it's had on her business, and how they innovated during the pandemic in a major way. And while I've got you here, you know how much I love to talk about reviews. If you've been loving what's happening in this corner of the internet with Female Startup Club, please do subscribe to the show and rate and review the podcast. This is what helps other ears find us. Let's jump into this episode. This is Sophia for Female Startup Club. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber. Simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from 
beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Sophia, let's get started. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to dig in. Do we want to get started by first telling the audience what Pear Eyewear is and who it's for? Absolutely. So my name is Sophia Edelstein, and I'm one of the co-CEOs and co-founders of Pear Eyewear. And Pear is a direct-to-consumer children's glasses startup. We provide families with an affordable direct-to-consumer and customizable solution to glasses because we believe glasses should be a fun accessory that kids can change and customize on a daily basis. Amazing. I love it. And they're so fun. I was looking at your website, obviously, and browsing through it. And I'm so excited to dig into all the um, ins and outs of your business. But let's go back to what you were doing before you started Pear, how you met Nathan, your co-founder, and what life was like before. Absolutely. So I actually started Pear straight out of undergrad. So Pear has been my first full-time job since I graduated from college. Wow. (laughs) But going back um, a little bit before that, I'm originally from New York City. I I grew up there my entire life. I was so excited to go out to Stanford, go to the West Coast for the first time. And I originally went to Stanford with the hopes of becoming a doctor. But I did the pre-med track for two years. But during that entire time, I was also studying design and healthcare economics and medical devices. And slowly but surely, ended up spending a lot more of my time doing that at Stanford. And Nathan, um, who you mentioned is my co-founder, we've actually been best friends since our freshman year at, at college. Um, it was oh, a, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. We actually met because we were in uh, rival freshman dorms. So Stanford has an amazing community. So we were put in opposite ones. And um, it wasn't actually until our senior year where Nathan was one day telling me about his experience of wearing glasses as a child. Uh, that led us to think about how we could make the glasses buying experience uh, better for families, which eventually led into the creation of Pear. Wow, that's so crazy to think that it went from that moment of having a conversation about you know, an experience from when he was young to what it is today. What happened next? What happened in that moment where you like, okay, let's do it? Was there conversations? Was there brainstorming? Was there vision boards? What is that early phase like for you? There was so much. So it, it definitely didn't go from, you know, we have this idea to, you know, the next day founding pair. There was a lot in between. Um, so first off, you know, Nathan started bringing this up because his little brother at the time, who was 10, uh, was getting glasses for the first time. And hearing about his little brother's experience reminded him of, you know, the same exact experience that he had as a child which was, you know, going to an optical store, hating the options available. His mom was about to spend, I believe it was $350 for a pair of glasses that his little little brother, Nikki, was just not excited to wear. But after realizing the correlation between, you know, his experience 10 years prior and his brother's, we started thinking, you know, I wonder if there are more families that are experiencing the same issue. 
So we set out to prove that there was actually a problem that existed before we started trying to solve it. So during our senior year, we were actually almost doing pair full-time uh, school part-time, but we actually went out and interviewed over 400 families. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, in the process, we got kicked out of multiple stores, re-interviewing their customers. It was quite an adventure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but through that, we started hearing stories about you know, families from all different socioeconomic backgrounds complaining about uh, the limited options available for kids' glasses, um, how important it was. Currently, one in every four children wear glasses, but it's soon going to be one in every two. So we started learning about the market size and how expansive it was. And soon we began prototyping and uh, we realized that the main piece of feedback that we kept hearing from families and especially children was that children would love a pair of glasses that was able to be self-expressive. Unlike your clothes or your shoes, you're forced to just wear one pair of glasses you know, every day until your parents can afford to get you another one or you grow out of it. So we wanted to reinvent the wheel and actually design a pair of glasses from the ground up that kids wanted to wear while making it affordable for their parents. That's such an interesting insight and certainly something that you know, you would only really come across after interviewing 400 people or 400 families. Now, when you say you were starting to build that prototype, how much does it cost to build a prototype? And like, what do you do to build a prototype? Yeah. So the way I think about prototyping is um, whenever I talk to people who have an idea, I encourage them as quickly as possible to get that idea out of your head and into a physical product. So in our case, we used the resources that were available to us. Um, we were really lucky that Stanford had an amazing lab where you could actually go in and build physical products. And Nathan happened to be a mechanical engineer. So he, he led that process. But we actually created the first prototype of Para's uh, continually customizable glasses at Stanford in the PRL uh, with materials that we ordered online. And we, we knew we had something when one day we were presenting that prototype to a family and they asked us if they could purchase it. You know, we, we laughed because this is like not even close to looking like a real pair of glasses. But just the fact that they wanted this so badly that they wanted to purchase a prototype, you know, proved to us early on that, you know, we were on to something. Yeah. But of course, as we you know started devoting more time to it and realized this was something that we really wanted to solve and felt passionately towards, we started reaching out to find experts in the field. And early on, we got connected with um, this incredible man, Lee Zaro, who used to be the former head of product at Warby Parker. So very early on, we, we told him about this problem we had found. He even said himself that he had never seen a good solution for children's glasses. So the three of us started prototyping. And together, we came up with the mechanism that we use today, um, which uses magnets to allow you to snap on what we call top frames to a base frame of glasses. So a child can wear polka dot glasses one day, you know, their favorite NBA team the next, uh, a Halloween pair for the upcoming holiday and switch it up. And now Lee's actually our full-time head of product. It's genius. I mean, I can't believe I haven't seen it before. It just makes so much sense, especially for kids, um, but even for adults too. I have limited knowledge about the sunglass industry, <laughs> so bear with me here. But my understanding of it is that it's difficult to manufacture sunglasses and that there's lots of moving parts and it's expensive. You need to produce large orders. 
How did you go about producing like the first batch? Yeah, that's a great question. And kind of being like, we're going to commit to doing this. We're going to like sell these things. Yeah. So it's really one step at a time. Um, At Stanford, we were able to meet some angel investors. And at that time, you know, Nathan and I had full-time job opportunities, but in the back of our heads, we were thinking, you know, this is what we're devoting all of our time to. This is, you know, we want to make this, you know, our full-time role. We want to devote ourselves to this. So we were able to find, you know, a small angel capital to get that first round of prototypes made. Um, but of course, the glasses process is really complicated. It's, it's a medical device. So you have the manufacturing of the actual frame. You have the prescription component. You have to get that prescription from the customer. There's, you know, information that's very private. So figuring out all these components was, you know, what the early stages of Pear um, was devoted to. How can we, you know, make this process, which has such a, you know, high barrier to entry. You know, you have these huge companies in the field like Luxottica, the main three eyewear companies own over 85% of the market. So how can we iterate on what they've already been able to do, um, but make it more affordable, easier for the customer and a better experience overall? And so does that mean like producing and manufacturing like yourselves rather than kind of outsourcing and finding someone who can do it for you? Or, or what does it actually mean to try and innovate in that space? Yeah, so it means going directly to the manufacturers. So we work directly with our own manufacturers um, so we can own that whole supply chain to make the end price to the consumer uh, much more affordable. So our prescription glasses cost $60, including prescription lenses, which is included in that bundle. If you go to you know, a lens crafters or a retail store, for the same glasses with the lens add-ons we include, you can expect to pay upwards of $300. So our goal oh, was wow. to really, you know, chop that, you know, so that the end price was, you know, less than a third um, to really make glasses something that families all over the U.S. don't have to worry about when purchasing. We don't want it to be a stressful process, but rather a bonding experience within families. Mm, yeah, for sure. Gosh, that's crazy. And so once you had the prototypes done, you've raised some money through angel investors at Stanford. What happened next? How did you how did you go and sort of build your first customer base and, you know, go to market with your launch strategy? Yeah. So the first year of Pair was really devoted to beta testing. So we were beta testing the product. We were beta testing the first, you know, MVP of the website online, figuring out what kind of branding, what kind of brand voice worked to our customer base and really putting together like a very strong groundwork in which the company could later run with. So we had limited capital at the time, but we're trying to find incredible talent. So we were lucky enough to be able to convince Lee to join us full time, even though we were, you know, these two crazy Stanford students who had never had a full time job before. Um, (laughs) And uh, one thing led to another. And, you know, before we knew it, we had you know, put together, I think from the get-go, our branding was really strong. And I think we really understood our market because we had interviewed over 400 families. So we knew what they were looking for. We had this vision of what we wanted to create. So uh, after a year or so, we were able to raise our next round of funding, which was VC-led. And that led us to be able to start growing the company much more rapidly and kind of get out of that beta stage of testing product. Wow. And are you able to share how much you have raised in that early VC round and, and what you've raised overall? Yeah. So to date, we've raised a little over four and a half million. 
Um, so we've really wow, so exciting. <laughs> it's been so exciting, and you know we're so happy that we have just incredible investors that really believe in the mission, in the market, and are very consumer focused. So they've just you know been so helpful along the way um, when trying to create you know the new go to consumer brand for for children and families. Mm, yeah. I want to dig into more of the specifics around your marketing and how you actually found the customers, because I guess whilst you're having to appeal to children, you're also having to appeal to the person who's buying the product, which is the parents. So finding the right kind of language and the happy balance between marketing for kids and marketing to parents, what was that like? And how did you find your first customers? That's a great question. So we're one of those companies that has a dual customer. So we consider our customer, the parent, as you mentioned, they're the ones with the credit card. They're the ones who's going to make that financial decision in the home. And then our user is the child. So all of our marketing, the website, the the online experience is really tailored towards answering questions that parents have. And then once that physical product gets to the home, the opening the box experience, the product experience is tailored to be really fun for kids. But of course, really fun for adults. Now, you know, a lot of adults have purchased Pear just because it's such a unique and fun product. So I think adults can also appeal to that kind of really fun, youthful branding. But the first way we began acquiring customers, um, you know, from the get-go, we were doing everything. We were testing online, testing all different kinds of ads. We were going to schools. We were working with local doctor's offices to get the word out. Very grassroots. Um, and then, you know, after we were able to raise venture capital, it became a lot more focused on growth acquisition, on scaling via Facebook, Google, Instagram, Snapchat. And then, of course, you know, really fostering the organic side of the business as well. We were incredibly lucky that we were uh, able to be on Shark Tank. So we actually aired in season 11 of Shark Tank. So that was an incredible opportunity to you know, present pair to millions of families, you know, at home on their TV screens. Um, we've been really fortunate to be able to get onto the Today Show. Uh, we were written about in Oprah Magazine, um, a lot of which also was through grassroots efforts. Um, we got into Oprah Magazine early on because Nathan and I actually wrote Gail King a handwritten note um, asking oh. her to be a role model for kids that wear glasses because, of course, she's so iconic with you know, the frames that she wears. So there's a lot of things you can do early on to help build that organic side, which I think is something that, you know, people think is very difficult to do until, you know, a much later stage. That is so cool. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. Aweber, simpler email marketing. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. I have a million questions about Shark Tank, but I'm going to come back to that because that deserves a little section on itself. But when you were in the beginning doing the grassroots efforts and you were going to the doctor's offices and you were going to schools, what was the kind of feedback you were getting? And was it really like everyone was on board, everyone loved it, or was it hard to get people on board um, in those institutions, I guess, that are doing things the same way that they've done it for a long time? Yeah. So I think schools have been a huge supporter from the get-go because I think we have very similar motivations to, you know, get kids to feel confident in their glasses, to wear their glasses in the classroom, um, to, you know, express themselves. So because of that, schools have always been, you know, a, an incredible uh, supporter of PEAR. They, from the early on, we would go to school fairs, we would talk in assemblies, you know, just to get in front of the eyes of like our end customer. 
So we found them to be incredible. Oftentimes, doctors were a little more difficult because they were so busy. Uh, to them, you know, a doctor's office is ultimately a business. So what was their incentive in supporting the product? Um, that was kind of a big, a big, you know, question we were trying to solve early on. And over time, what we realized is, you know, as we started to acquire the customer base, our best source of new organic customers would come from our customer base themselves. When people wear pear, they talk about it. Uh, kids show it off at school. Parents talk about this incredible company that was able to get their kid a pair of glasses in only four days after they broke them. There's a lot of stories that emerge, even just like the smile of a kid wearing this pair with like, you know, Christmas trees on it. It's, it's, it's really unique. <laughs> so we've been able to foster that in a number of ways. Um, one aspect of our community that I'm most proud of, I think, is our online community called the Pear Family. It's a invite only, uh, exclusive Facebook group for parents and customers of Pear. So that I think has become a huge driver um, for families to share and talk about Pair. And one of the main ways in which we get new customers that aren't acquired through paid acquisition. Mm, that's so cool. Is it a lot of the mums talking in the group or is it a lot of like kids as well chiming in? Yeah, so it's mostly the parents um, and they are constantly posting photos of their children in their favorite oh, top brands, introducing them posting ways in which they display their pair top frames at home. Um, the average customer owns five pair top frames, but the I think wow. the customer who owns the max that I've heard of is around 70. So their entire fridge is covered with them. So parents... Oh, that is so cool. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Yeah. In that household, I believe the mom and the daughter both wear a pair. So they're able to uh, share the collection between the two of them. Oh, that's so clever. Yeah, but the conversations are incredible. We've had even families from the pair family meet up in person because they realize that their daughters are part of the same cheer league. Um, and it's a really supportive community. If you post a photo of yourself wearing pair or your child, you can expect, you know, at minimum 10 comments from random strangers saying things like, so adorable, so cute. Like, I wish I could rock that top frame. It's just the most supportive community I've seen online. Oh, wow. That sounds so wholesome and just so fulfilling. I also imagine you guys lend yourself really well to doing, you know, limited edition drops and lots of, you know, fun, quirky things that are relevant to what's happening in the market at the moment and relevant to what kids are watching and looking at and all that kind of thing. That's actually one of our main focuses right now from a marketing standpoint. So for the past six months, we've been launching two limited edition collections every month. So these oh, wow. typically it's a drop, lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. These drop on a Wednesday. They go live at noon to the public, uh, but they go live to the pair family a little bit earlier at eleven, giving them an opportunity to shop exclusively. And it's been incredible. We've launched uh, collections like tie dye. Um, we just launched Halloween. We've launched a uh, sparkle. We recently launched an incredible collection actually with uh, partnered with NBA Labs. So we were the first company ever to launch a collection uh, where you could actually represent your favorite basketball teams on your glasses. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, in October, we're launching um, a collection with Marvel. So uh, kids can actually feel like their favorite superheroes. Um, and we have a lot. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and we have a lot of other plans to launch more of these licensed collections in addition to 
you know, the in-house produced limited edition lines. Yeah, for sure. I can so imagine like Disney and I don't know, is Frozen part of Disney? Like all that kind of stuff, Star Wars, like all the fun stuff that kids just absolutely love. It reminds me of um, a brand called uh, Black Milk. They used to do leggings where they would do big partnerships with like Harry Potter and Disney and all that kind of thing, which obviously just goes crazy. So cool. That is so, so exciting. Lots to look forward to all the time as well. Do the limited edition drops sell out? They do. So they sell out um, all the time. So typically a collection won't be on site for longer than two weeks because it'll sell out. But we actually use a very interesting in-house production process that allows us to do these limited edition launches at any quantity we want. Um, This was actually a big pivot for us during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, When the pandemic hit, we realized that you know, of course, due to everything that was happening internationally, uh, planning out limited edition launches every two weeks when our manufacturers were international was going to be, you know, almost impossible. So we had to pivot internally and actually came up with a new manufacturing process where we now print all of our tops uh, in-house here in the U.S. on demand. So we can actually go from a idea of a design to having that design on site available to customers in as little as two weeks. And we have no minimum order quantities. Um, so, you know, like you we turned that, that situation into, you know, a moment where we were forced to innovate and actually came up with something that was a thousand times better than the, the solution we had prior. Yeah, that is incredible. Is that through like a local manufacturer that could you know, develop a specific machine or something for you guys specifically? A little bit. So we did a lot of research on how companies are able to print on demand. And we were actually um, able to talk with uh, some of the people over at Pop Sockets and how they're able to so rapidly produce, you know, customized Pop Sockets. And, you know, they have collaborations with with every everything around the sun. So through them, we learned of the digital printing process and how there are these literally they're literally huge like huge printers that are able to produce large quantities of product where each product in the printer can have a completely different uh, design on it so we were able to take an existing technology but then you know change it with the manufacturer to actually work for the first time with a pair of glasses or with our top frames uh, so we innovated that process kind of throughout the pandemic um, and now actually do it all in-house at our own facility, which is uh, pretty awesome. That is so interesting and such a cool like realization to be able to have and innovate. And obviously you can just do so much with that. That's awesome. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool because I think a big thing at Pear is we're always trying to improve on the product. So for us, it was, you know, even though we had, you know, a product that people loved, I think there's always ways in which you can improve upon it, especially from a consumer standpoint. You always want to be striving to, you know, make your product lighter, thinner, more affordable to the consumer. Absolutely. For sure. Cool. Let's talk about Shark Tank. How did Shark Tank come about? What happened? Tell us about the deal. Let's hear it all. Yeah, it was wild. It was probably, I think, up there is one of the, the craziest things I've done. Um, it was a long process. We were reached out to um, by their team, I think, almost a year before we ended up uh, filming the episode. 
it's they have an amazing team over at Shark Tank. I have no idea how we got on their radar, but they had heard about Pear. I think even, you know, potentially one of their producers had a child that had told him about Pear. And we entered the process with Shark Tank and it's a wild process. They, you know, go through hundreds of thousands of applicants and and narrow it down to I think only one or two percent that actually make it to to airing. Wow. And then once you film, there's no guarantee that you'll actually air. So the entire time as we were going through this, we knew in the back of our minds that there was, you know, a very large chance that, you know, our episode would never actually hit the screen. Oh, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was wild, but um it was incredible. So we, you know, we flew out to LA. Um, it's filmed at Sony Studios and we, we basically, we walked on, we had our stage prepared, we had our pitch prepared, um, and we presented to the panel of judges. We got very lucky that on the day we were presenting was the day that one of their guest judges, um, was there on set, Katrina Lake. So we found out only hours before, like walking onto the stage that Katrina Lake was going to be one of the judges. Oh my God. That's so exciting. It was so exciting. I, I personally have looked up to Katrina, you know, for, for quite some time. She's also a Stanford grad herself. So she was always this, you know, incredible, you know, role model personality for me. Um, so being able to present to her was, you know, a dream. And we walked away with a deal, uh, with Lori Grainier and Katrina. They went in together on a deal on the show. Uh, so it was, it was super exciting. What was really interesting too was, you know, the question and answering session. While on TV, it looks very short. In reality, you're standing up there for over an hour. <laughs> so, oh, whoa. So wow. you're, you're trying not to, you know, make any weird body movements. You're, you're trying to <laughs> yeah. smile the entire time. So even just that aspect of it was, you know, an awesome challenge. Yeah. Holy moly. I didn't realize it was so long. What was the impact of like the Shark Tank episode airing? What happened, you know, the next day on your website or at the time at the website? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really amazing. So we ended up airing um, last March. Uh, so it was actually like the last weekend before New York City went into like complete shutdown. So we were we got very lucky that we were able to have, you know, a small viewing session with like our friends, family and coworkers. That was really fun. Mm, that's um, cool. But immediately as the show was on, we would just see traffic on the website just going going up. And for the next days and weeks, it had it had quite an impact on business. But I think the most amazing thing about Shark Tank is the long term uh, value that it just brings to your brand. Um, immediately, it's a it's a stamp of you know, this is a company that is being on Shark Tank, and I think families all around the U.S. recognize that. So it's been really incredible just to have that association and affiliation that brings trust to so many people. I mean, for sure, for sure. It's so exciting. And what kind of mentorship did you get from the Sharks after the show aired? Yeah, so, you know, of course, they gave us some amazing advice while we were there pitching. Some incredible feedback. A lot of it wasn't even, you know, shown on the actual episode. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to to speak to anything after the show, um, you know, as as reality TV is. But um, they're all amazing people, and you know, I'm excited that you know we've been able to to keep in contact with with some of them. Yes. Oh my gosh! Amazing. So cool. 
You guys have been dubbed, obviously, the Warby Parker for kids. You also have Lee, who was, um, you know, from Warby Parker. And I want to talk about the Give Back program that you developed and what you're doing for other kids around the world. So while Nathan and I were thinking of the idea for Para while we were at Stanford, of course, you know, our research into eyewear and children led us to learning a lot about the global issue of children all around the world just not having access to vision care. And we were able to find an incredible nonprofit called the Eye Alliance, um, which is dedicated to making sure that every school-age child around the world has access to vision care. And what I loved about them from the get-go was that they work individually in countries working not just with, you know, glasses providers like ourselves, but also with the education system, with the law system to make sure that it's actually law that every school needs to provide vision tests. And then they work with partners like ourselves to provide children with access to glasses. So we, you know, we, we approached them and together we were able to come up with this amazing nonprofit component of PEAR, where for every pair we sell, we donate a percentage of our proceeds to provide um, a child the Alliance works with, with access to vision care. It's amazing. So amazing. What kind of countries are part of the program? Like what, what children are you affecting? Yeah, so right now the focus is in Liberia. Um, so that's the one country that they kind of started out with and focusing on. So it was incredible. Um, even last year, they had the president go and actually visit a few of the schools on the days in which they were giving out glasses um, to the children. So I think it's going to be a very sustainable um, project within the country and hopefully something that continues for many years. And of course, they're hoping to expand now uh, to, to other countries. That is so amazing. Something I didn't ask you before that I wanted to ask you is what are the kinds of things that kids say? Like what's the you know, the feedback that you've heard directly about wearing pear. It's incredible. So children um, have such an association between the different top frames they wear. So even early on, you know, we haven't even launched Marvel yet. Children would say that the blue pear makes them feel like a, you know, underwater superhero. And they create this, you know, kind of association with that top frame. Um, Girls are absolutely obsessed with our sparkle collection. They love matching, you know, their outfits to the top frame. But one thing that's really cool about pair is, you know, everything is completely gender neutral. So a child can completely design their collection based on their own personality. So you see, you see everything. You see children, you know, matching certain things, not matching, contrasting, you know, stacking multiple top frames. Um, so there's this very, you know, customizable personal element of pair. Uh, that makes people, I think, feel, you know, a strong association with the brand as if it's, you know, kind of built for them. Mm, must be so beautiful to see them being able to express themselves through through their glasses. Yeah. Very special. Our f- f- photo shoot days are one of my favorite where we get to, you know, go to a studio and shoot with a bunch of really fun kids. We, we play music and it's just so fun to see the kids, you know, interacting with the new collections and you know, dancing with them. It's, it's one of the most fun days of pair headquarters. Oh, that does sound really fun. I bet it's lots of energy. Um, what advice do you have for women who have a big idea? It's a great question. I, I think if you have a big idea, um, I, you know, tell everyone first up is to identify the problem that you're solving. So I'm a really strong believer in, you know, the, 
the best ideas are, are ones that actually solve a real problem for people. So whether it's something that you've experienced yourself or it's a problem that you think other people are experiencing is to go out there and talk to people, get as much uh, qualitative and quantitative data as you can. And once you realize that this is something that affects, you know, not just a handful of people, but, you know, a, a sizable market size, then, you know, go straight to prototyping, you know, you know, try to, to get a physical product or if it's, you know, a website or something in place that you can show to them and, and see what their reaction is and hear from them. Because I think the most powerful thing and I think what will be so encouraging in the early stages is to realize that you're, you know, solving a problem for real people. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We are up to the six quick questions part of the episode. Question number one is, what's your why? So I, I hope my why continues to change, of course, as you know, I, I evolve. But right now, it's definitely to uh, provide families with a better and more affordable eyewear experience. Question number two, and I'm sure I know the answer, is what's been the number one marketing moment that's made your business pop? A hundred percent Shark Tank. It was an amazing moment for the company. Yes. Oh my gosh. So cool. Question number three is where do you hang out to get smarter? I'd have to say with my friends and um, other co-founders. I love, uh, you know, I always make time in my schedule to to hang out with friends. And I have a number of very close uh, female co-founders that I try to have monthly meetings with uh, to catch up, learn what they're doing hear about their products, their companies. So yeah, I love just taking time out of my day to have like really meaningful conversations with people. I love that. Question number four is how do you win the day? And that's around your AM and your PM rituals that keep you feeling happy and successful and motivated and productive. Totally. So I think I may be a little bit of an exception for a lot of founders, but I don't have any very strict things that I do. So I think I have more kind of like general things that I try to do on a daily basis. I have a few things like I try to get sleep. I never work in my bedroom. I always take time to sit down for dinner uh, without my computer or phone. I try to work out whenever I can, but I try not to be too hard on myself if any of those things don't happen um, and try to make sure that I can always adapt to new situations because I think we've all learned like recently during the <laughs> yeah. pandemic that you have no idea where you're going to be like making your office the next day. Um, you have no idea what can happen next week. So trying to, you know, be productive, um, live by my calendar, but also be flexible. Amen to that. I feel like the pandemic has shown us all we need to <laughs> be able to adapt to the changing circumstances. <laughs> Question number five is, if you only had $1,000 left in your business bank account, where would you spend it? That's an awesome question. Um, I think for us right now, our best channel um, has always been email. So email is just this incredible channel for us. We capture a huge amount of customers that go to our site via email. And um, I promised everyone listening, this is not like a paid promotion, but Clavio has been the absolute most amazing resource for us. And I think we pay a few hundred dollars a month. So I could maybe get that $1,000 to last us a few months uh, by putting it into email. I love that you say that so much because obviously I'm such a big champion for Clavio and they're big supporters of female startup clubs. So big shout out to them. I know how good they are and their resources online and their 
you know, automated sequences that they have prepared for new people coming to sign up to their software is just incredible. And also I think um, what's important about Clavio is the team behind the software. So the software is obviously so good, but they're a business that wants to champion women in business. They want to champion women in e-commerce. And I just love that. So I'm, I'm also such a big fan. I love that you say that. <laughs> I'll be sure to share this with them. Question number six is how do you deal with failure? And it can be around like a personal experience that you've had or just your general mindset and approach. Totally. Um, so I think my approach to dealing with failure has you know, evolved a lot over the startup journey. I remember when I was raising my first round of funding, we, I think we probably pitched over 40 investors before we got the first yes. So that was, you know, of course, really hard. But I think over time, as we've raised more rounds, you deal and you start learning that you can't take every, every failure so seriously. You have to be able to, you know, figure out what motivates you to bounce back. So now I try to approach it where, you know, I don't try to, uh, ignore any emotional response I'm feeling. I, I let myself feel that emotional response, but try to cap it. So, you know, give yourself 24 hours, do what you need to do, like cry about it, call your parents, <laughs> you know, talk to your significant other, your best friend, um, go for a run, do whatever you need to do. But, you know, 24 hours after that, try to think about it a little bit more logically, like what could I have done better? What did I do well? Um, always make sure to focus on what you did well, because that's really important. As so well. important. <laughs> so important. And people always forget that. Um, and then, you know, bounce back, you know, it's, it's, it's one, it's one thing that happened. Um, there's going to be so many more opportunities. Feel fortunate that you had that opportunity in the first place. And for me, that's, that's helped a lot over, over the startup journey. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I have loved learning about Pear and what you guys are doing for children all around the world. And I just am such a big fan of you, especially being such, you know, an ambitious young woman, just innovating and doing badass stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And thanks so much for having me on. This was so much fun. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash hype club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. 
dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash hype club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. <laughs> <laughs>